When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? What's the worst day of the week that gets us all depressed? M-O-N-D-A-Y-S-U-C-K-S Here comes more aggravation and a brand new week of stress. M-O-N-D-A-Y-S-U-C-K-S Monday sweat. This is your pal, Dane Alves, with another enticing, amazing, stupendous episode of Monday Suck. On Mondays, if you couldn't tell by the name of it, uh, every Monday at, usually I go live at about 6 p.m. Today I got a little bit early. Uh, you know, I, I got all the stuff I needed to ahead of time, and I'm just raving mad over talking about the two topics that we have today on Monday Suck. It's just me, but... That means I get to get a little more details out. Um, I'm sure that if you guys didn't listen to it, I'm sure they went over both these topics, or at least one of them, I would assume, on Geek Fives Live, which is on Sunday nights. Definitely check that show out uh, with Jawan, Joel, Kanan, Nick, and Tia, and whoever else they have on. Great show if you guys want to watch comic book, movie, and just movie-related stuff. Uh, they go over all of that. Uh, if you're a new listener to Monday Suck, thank you guys so much for joining me. I go over... Different things. Sometimes I go into politics if I want to uh, comment on stuff like that. Most of the time, it's just about entertainment-related things like movies and uh, you know music. A lot of times, or reviews. Today, I will be talking about the Mandalorian, both episodes. We'll be doing a little bit of spoiler talk, and I will also be talking about the concept of the Snyder Cut. Dun dun dun! That white buffalo, uh, that that magical, majestic unicorn. Uh, concept that is the comic book film that has not been out, and uh, a lot of people want that. Before I get all to that, remember to go to our website, geekvibesnation.com. That's the big overhaul company, the entertainment company that we do all these shows under, uh, like Monday Suck and Geek Vibes Live. And uh, at geekvibesnation.com, uh, uh, you will find you know, updates and, and news information for comics, comic book movies, sometimes sports, sometimes wrestling, video games. If it's geek-related, we cover it. And also links to our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and you can find all of our pages at Geek Vibes Nation on all those platforms. Uh, if you guys don't want to listen to this live on Mondays, which maybe you want to, you know, talk about that type of stuff on another day, hey, whatever you want to do. It's live on Blog Talk Radio when I normally put it at about 5.30 to usually 6 p.m. EST. But we also are on Spotify, Stitcher, uh, iTunes, um, you know, pretty much every platform to that level. We also have a YouTube station at Geek Vibes Nation. So check all that stuff out and let us know what you think. We love communication. We love feedback. And if you don't like anything I have to say, I always say go to my Twitter page, uh, mostly because it's kind of not really mine. It's like a... It's a burner account, basically. So that's why I tell people to do that. <laughs> I'm so funny. Anyways, let's talk about – I love how I slap my legs for that. <laughs> let's talk about the Snyder Cut concept because, guys, this very interesting 
you know, new revelation to it. Because for the longest time, I was saying, shut the fuck up about this. This is never going to happen. There's no reason for Warner Brothers to, you know, do something about this. But I believe it, if it wasn't yesterday, it might have been yesterday, it could be today, was a two-year mark of the release of Justice League. Now, we know that for Justice League, uh, during the duration of the filming, we know that Zack Snyder came off of BVS. It wasn't the hit that they wanted, and Zack was kind of pissed off because he had to cut it down a significant amount to be able to make it to what Warner Brothers wanted to put in theaters, basically, which happens, man. That, that's the, uh, the basis uh, between a director and a studio. You know, uh, they're, they're trying to think about it of, like, who is actually going to want to stay and watch this. Now, it's Batman versus Superman. First time they're both on screen together. So, honestly, the Snyder cut of BVS, the director's cut, whatever the fuck you call it, really could have been appropriately in theaters, and people would have still paid for it. And honestly, you know, some people says it doesn't do anything for them. To me, seeing Superman's whole entire backstory within this gives it so much more meaning. And even though I hate the Martha part, spoiler warning from fucking five or six years ago, um... That plot device bothered me, but overall, I liked the, the film that Zack Snyder intended for theaters. Now, Justice League is even worse than that, because we know that, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, Zack's uh, daughter passed away throughout the duration of him finishing it. So he actually had a version pretty much done that he wanted. Uh, apparently, it just the execs, whoever decided to kibosh, whether it be uh, what is his name? Um, oh man, I forgot the uh, gentleman that was in charge of DC that re- uh, recently stepped down. This is before they had uh, Walter Hamada uh, with him there. But um, you know, I don't know Suchihara. I-, I don't know exactly what happened with Justice League, but you know, they tried to use, it seems at least, uh, the tragedy about Zack Snyder to stop working on the product as a reason of why they had to have Josh Whedon come in and clean up and then do all those additional scenes and re-edit it and recut it. Uh, but Zack said, you know, obviously that was definitely a part of it, but he had a pretty much done version. And since then, Zack Snyder has been releasing images. And I've, I've, I've been very honest and aggravated that Zack just stopped, let it go, kind of like the fucking Frozen movie. Let it go! Let it go. I've never seen that movie, but my niece has, you know, embedded that song in my head. Not even by singing it, just by having it in the background. But either way, I just wanted him to let it go, in all honesty. Now we shoot to nowadays, and there seems to be an actual campaign of Save the Snyder Cut that has more significance than it ever has beforehand. Uh, the reason being is because a lot of the celebrities in the past, the ones that were part of it, uh, are jumping on and, and saying on their side to let him release it. And we know a couple of months ago, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Jason Momoa, my man, Aquaman, uh, you know, put a tweet out, kind of start this again, saying that he saw the version. Now, we'll, we'll go into what the version is and what it isn't a little bit later, but he saw the edit of the film that Zach had, and he said it was amazing and that they need to release this, and trust me, the fans would love it. Now, that could be all just, you know, that could all be talk. I don't even know if Jason Moa actually saw, saw the thing, but I'm going to assume that he's not lying about this and that he did. Well, now Gal Gadot, along with Zack Snyder, obviously, 
Um, I know Henry Cavill in the past has said very positive things about this, but Gal Gadot, Ray Fisher, and Ben Affleck all posted this same concept. Now, the reason why I bring it up and actually try to, you know, make it somewhat relevant news, uh, like the reason why I would be talking about this is because I don't think it's as far-fetched now compared to a couple of years ago of this happening. The main reason for that is streaming services. Within the last couple of years, we've seen Netflix just bring in so much revenue in just streaming. Uh, in 2008, they brought over $16 billion in annual revenue, uh, and that was up 35% uh, from the year previous. So that's not even a small amount the year previous before that. And just subscription fees. Uh, that is the reason why Disney made Disney Plus. So we'll get into Disney Plus a little bit later. So if we were to understand that Disney Plus made what, – what was it? Now, this is also – with Disney Plus, they had 10,000 people sign on the first day. Now, this is also the Verizon customers. Uh, these, this is also people that kind of like want it by something, you know, that kind of for free or trying it out that might not actually end up keep on doing it. But still, that's a giant number. That's, I think, almost a third of how many subscription, uh, active subscribers, I should say, Netflix actually has. I think they have like 32, I believe, that they make this ridiculous crop of money. This is the reason why Disney, they made a lot in film, and that's one of their biggest source of revenue. And then they've got the theme parks and everything else, all the IPs with toys and merchandise. But they made Disney Plus to be able to nip everything in the butt. Now they have Hulu to put their rated R, you know, programming on. Uh, and they have this package, and also then they have the ESPN edition. And if you're someone that likes sports or, or all the uh, 40 for 40s or, uh, you know, UFC, all their live fights, that's even more of a reason. So Disney's making a lot of money on this. Warner Brothers is right now in a very strange position, but they're about to come out with HBO Max. They own HBO. HBO features their film library, so they're going to allow everyone to have that and then put original uh, programming. I know that – I think it's believed that J.J. Abrams might have something coming to this. Uh, we know that the Green Lantern show is coming to this. They're doing some stuff to compete, obviously, with Marvel uh, and Disney. Disney has put money into The Mandalorian. Once again, we'll be talking about that next, but let's get through this. Um, and all these Marvel shows, they've put in millions and millions of dollars. But it's a little bit different in essence because all you're trying to do is get subscribers to join, uh, basically, and you don't have to worry about marketing. You don't have to worry about lots of stuff. You know, you're putting in – an investment, basically. Uh, it's a little bit different, obviously, than having it in theaters and trying to get people to come and see it. It's in the, the you know, it's in their own home, and it, it's a reason. Mandalorian, especially, is a reason for people to try out Disney Plus. So let's talk about a little bit about math, and this is very, very rough. I looked at the top two petitions that both have been around for a very long time for Save the Snyder Cut, um, which I used to laugh at, but I'm just saying these numbers. Can we honestly say that if these people, you know, in the scenario, if these two groups were to actually get a subscription, because what I'm proposing is 
put the 50 to $70 million into post, finish the Snyder Cut, and release it on HBO Max on its launching date, along with, obviously, Man of Steel, but maybe an extended version if there's any other scenes, because this is streaming. You can do this type of shit and release the BVS Director's Edition, whatever the fuck it's called. So you're actually, you know, telling people we're going to have the Zack Snyder trilogy in its final form, the way that he would have wanted it, you know, on this platform. Uh, and that's a buying point. And with, you know, the money, would, would, would basically trying to get people to join, would this be an additional reason to get subscribers? Would it, would it make up for the amount of money that they would have to spend to finish it? Because that's what I was talking about, about what the Snyder Cut is as of right now. It's not finished with the CGI. Um, it, there's no soundtrack. There's no music in it. You know, there's a lot of stuff that they would have to do in post to finish it. You know, and then you're, you're talking about like adding color and uh, and and digitally, you know, going through everything. That that's expensive. You know, to keep this in concept, if you, if you think about like a 30 minutes you know, sci-fi style thing that has even a smaller budget takes a very, very long time to be able to do. Now, it's not saying that if you put the fucking 60 to 70 million into it that you couldn't have it done in time for the launch. I don't remember exactly when HBO Max is coming out. I probably should have looked that information up for this, but I didn't even think about it. Maybe I'll try to, like, figure that out um, on the... Uh, yeah, actually, I'll, I'll just try to look it up right now if you guys just... HBO Max release. Release date. All right. It's coming in 2020. So, yeah. Oh, May of 2020. So, in the summertime, we're going to have HBO Max come out. So, do they have enough time, technically, from now until then, to finish the, the movie? They would have to put a lot of people, get them involved, to try to finish it at a quicker pace to be able to have it out by May. I would think this would be the more the, the smarter road to go down than trying to put it in theaters. Now, does this version kind of undermine the version they put in theaters? Yes. But, first of all, Hamada doesn't really care about the continuity of that. Yes, he is using Wonder Woman and Aquaman out of that universe, but he's not really worried about that. And that Justice League movie, even though I liked a lot of the elements that Josh Whedon added into that hodgepodge monster – that was Justice League that came out two years ago today. Um, you know, would anyone give a shit if we just kind of, that's there, but here's a Zack Snyder version too. Fans have been clamoring for it. Now, what I did, to kind of put in perspective, like I said, I went to the two biggest petition-based uh, sites that come out immediately that have been around for a while, you know, with people signing it. They both have a lot of people. So we go to the biggest one, and it has over 179,000 people, 1,000 or 179,373 uh, total signatures. That's good. If we were to believe that maybe HBO Max is going to be as much as Disney Plus, which is seven seven bucks a month with no additional stuff, like we're not talking about if they do a package like Disney Plus is doing with ESPN. And, and Hulu, what potentially HBO could be doing with the DC Universe uh, app. Because I wouldn't put, I wouldn't put the, 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 the Snyder Cut Justice League 
would not go on the DC Universe app. That's something that can come with HBO Max in some type of package. But this needs to go on launch date. This, at least, if this is me, and I'm not, I don't, I'm not a marketing person. I don't fucking work for Warner Brothers. But my personal opinion, um, you would have this publicized as well, you're getting this along with the Green Lantern show, along with this and this project, all started up May blah blah blah, and this is this is that launch. You know, much like like I said with the Mandalorian. So we're looking at this. The amount of people. You pretend seven dollars um, for that month. You would get one million two hundred fifty-five thousand six hundred eleven. Now, you, if we're to believe, like I said, in this scenario, and this is very rough, that they stay on for the additional months, that's over fifteen million dollars. That's not bad. The other one had seventy thousand times seven. That's four hundred ninety thousand, and uh, it's it's almost six million dollars. Uh, total if they they stay for a 12-month subscription. So just the two petitions, if potentially they were to sign up to see this, that's over $20 million. I'm saying you need about 50 to 60 to finish it. Now, there's going to be other subscribers. There's probably people that want this to happen that are not actually, you know, on one of these petitions. There's lots of variables in there. And also, there's nothing saying that these People wouldn't jump on and then jump off and not do it for the full 12 months, you know, paying that amount a year. So there's that. But if it makes sense to anything, even though I think a lot of people, if they put the work into it, you'd like to see it in theaters, and maybe you can release it limited time in theaters, you know. Or you can just expect it to be on the app by itself, finished, finished product, maybe do a director's commentary, add that there if you want him and maybe a couple of the other actors and just go over it. There's been so many cool pictures. As, as annoyed as I've gotten about Zack Snyder shutting up about releasing this, he has released a lot of cool information and pictures. One of them had, uh, I think it's either Harry or Henry. I think it's Harry and Lennox, who was a Man of Steel. He was also in uh, BVS. He's a general uh, that talked to Clark Kent uh, and kind of, you know, unintentionally, it seems, moved the pieces for certain people meeting each other, um, but really helped out, Man of, or helped out Superman and Man of Steel. Well, Zack Snyder released stills that you know a lot of people were hoping would happen, basically, where his character actually reveals himself to be the Martian Manhunter. So he was the one who put things in place, kind of, which is what he did in the cartoon and would make a lot of sense. Darkseid was supposed to be involved. I don't know what you do about... That's another thing. If you don't have anyone playing the voice of Darkseid, you could do it all CGI and keep it very vague. I think the scene was Steppenwolf coming back to Apocalypse and begging for forgiveness from Darkseid. Maybe he throws him to the wall. I don't know exactly what they would have done with that scenario. But if you need a voice, you can get someone that potentially could be playing it. You know, Ava DuVernay, I know that she's going to be casting, uh, you know, uh, New Gods, I'm assuming, soon. So maybe whoever's playing Dark Side in that, or you don't have to have him say anything. You can just have like a face, like a CGI, easy stuff. Whatever they do, I don't think it's a bad idea for DC to potentially think about doing this. They're going to spend a lot of money on a Green Lantern show. You know, if they have budgets, like Disney's putting into their products, their Marvel-based shows, their uh, Star Wars-based shows, whatever they do, this is a reason for people to try it out. And if you're going to say a live-action Green Lantern show when the movie didn't even do well, to the general public is going to be reason enough for someone to try out 
along with the movie library, to me, that's a great concept. That's, that's an additional thing. But if you have this, this is a, this is a very, very hot commodity that's, commodity that's proven that people want to see it. So to me, it makes all the sense, actually, <laughs> and I never thought I'd say this, and I kind of want to stop talking about the Snyder Cut, but with the celebrities backing it, and Zack Snyder, he's edited a version that just needs to go through post. There's reasoning of why this should happen and why it could happen. So I think the potential's there. I think that if they want to go in swinging for something for subscribers to have immediately, you let the Zack Snyder trilogy in its entirety be the thing that's there and have options. You can have the normal version of Man of Steel. You can have the normal version of BVS. You can have the, the, the normal version just on there, but like his version are all connected and, you, you, you go through all three of them. It would be also very redeeming, I would say, of Zack Snyder, who was kind of tasked to take these movies, and he had a vision of having, you know, linear films, not having a bunch of flashes. You know, Man of Steel built up to BVS, built up to Justice League, and it kept on going like that in his head. And cool concept. Um, I don't think DC should have tried to be like the MCU. I think that was their downfall, especially when they tried to reverse the concept and still try to do it. Like, we're going to have big films and have small ones. What they're doing now is great. Walter Hamada being on board to allow these films to be their own thing. Like, to me, I'm completely okay. Now, with the Joker, how much money it's made because of how small its budget's been. So how much money Warner Brothers made off that movie just by itself, uh, grossing-wise, is, is ridiculous. It could give them reason to make a sequel. If they just make it by itself, and we don't even get to see that one interact with Matt Reeves, you know, Batman, that's fine. No, maybe there is a reason if you keep it ambiguous in this next Batman of what time period it is. Kind of like what the cartoon used to do, the animated series. Um, there could be reasoning uh, for maybe, you know, you see that Bruce, he's 13, uh, however many years later, 15 years later, He's now Robert Pattinson, and it's a 15-year older version of the Joker that he fights maybe in the second one. I mean, with the cast that they have, with Paul Dano as Riddler, with uh, Zoe Kravitz as, as Catwoman, you know, uh, and um, potentially Colin Farrell um, as uh, the Penguin, having Joaquin Phoenix's version of the Joker actually as the Joker, not like this building – version, this, 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 this version that comes through. Very, very interesting. But they could still be separate. And what I'm saying is, DC's always been about the multiverse. Right now, in the television stuff, it seems like they're doing Crisis to kind of take Titan, Smallville, all these stuff that they've established, condense them down, which is what they did in the 80s with comics, because there was too many universes. The films, though, you know, you have this Elseworld kind of concept they're going for, and who knows? I'm just saying... Cooler heads prevail. We have Gal Gadot playing this version of Wonder Woman. We have Jason Momoa playing this version of Aquaman. We don't know what's going on with Ezra Miller. He's kind of aggravated because he tried to do something with Grant Morrison, and it seems like that's going nowhere. Ray Fisher, you know, doesn't seem like anything's happening with him. We know about Henry Cavill, who said he'd love to come to play character again. We know Jared Leto and all of his problems with, with Joker. So we do have some problems there. But if, if you were to release JLA, just rename it. I've always said it. Just rename it JLA. 
and kind of base it off the Grant Morrison uh, comp books of the same name uh, from the 90s, which is some of the best and most some of the best and well-written and also cinematically established uh, Justice League tales of all time. And you take the same cast, make a sequel, don't really talk about what happened in the first one. You know, stuff stuff is there. And if, 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 if in five years you wanted Ben Affleck to come back and he's willing to come back, and you still have this Matt Reeves trilogy, and you have other things that some of them are within the universe, some of them aren't, I don't have a problem with that. You know, I don't need everything to be so like the MCU. One thing that I I love so much stuff about the MCU, one thing I had I think they had a problem with, some of their best films, some of their best films didn't, but some of their best films, like Iron Man and, and, and Winter Soldier, it seemed like they didn't have to worry about the sequels or, or keeping with the continuity, having like little Easter eggs and stuff like that to be able to get from one to the other. Um and some of their best films did. Civil War, I think, was one of their best. Uh, both Last Avengers. Basically, everything the Russo brothers did, I thought, was gold. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 it's a very interesting in, in concept uh, to try to do something. But instead of doing it exactly like the MCU, which I think one of its flaws, like I said, was trying to make sure it stood with continuity and everything lined up. And now, it seems like Kevin Feige is like, we're not worried about that. We're just going to make sure that we have great movies and the next event thing, whether it be Galactus or whatever. He hasn't said this, but I'm just saying, you know, that'll come later on and we'll worry about it then. The movies themselves should be events. You know, it's, it's, it goes back to the comics. Some of the best event comics were ones that didn't have all the old miniseries that you had to fucking keep up with that they tried to do in the early 2000s uh, with DC and Marvel to be able to get with the events. It was just by itself. You know, some of the best Justice League stories were the one-offs that were kind of just by themselves. So I think that's a, that, that's a good aspect, the multiverse, the Elseworld concept. Not ignoring what they do in the comics is fine. And if people bitch about it, fuck them. Because obviously they don't understand what they do in the comics. And you've got to stop appeasing some of these people that are just never going to be happy. Um, my brother, let me know that he passed out for a second. No problem, Luke. Just wondering if you want to join the conversation. Let me let me ask him if you want to join. No, no, no. I want to call in the show, bro. In the show. Oh man, today's been a long day. Talking. Uh, I'm really not good at typing. I know this is wonderful uh, radio. I apologize about that. And Mandalorian. All right. Yeah, but um, I I think it is something that could possibly happen. I'm not going to put too much stock into it, but with the talks of what's happened with people – Giving out, you know, um, I don't necessarily need you, Luke. I'm just saying. Sorry, guys. Just decided to do it. 
usually we do this bi-weekly, so this is just me. You know, I decided to try to, like, get back to the week that I uh, canceled on. Uh, and uh, that's why I decided to do it today. I've been thinking about these things all day, so I thought, might as well call and talk about it on Monday Suck. But, yeah, if if, if, if if we have all this publicity with celebrities wanting it, if, if Zack Snyder's still willing to do it, if you have HBO Max coming out, if we're talking about 50, maybe even 100 million, that's a lot of money. It's not based off of how many, how many exact, I should say, subscribers for the petitions, two of them. Um, and who knows how many of those are the same person, you know, for both of them. So there, there is that concept too. So 20 million, not necessarily guaranteed, but a lot of people that would be eager enough to fucking do it for that. Maybe it's good enough reason. Like I said, I know the budgets for a lot of these shows at Marvel or that Disney's putting into for Marvel and Star Wars are expensive. They're movie-level production budgets. Um, all that. Uh, it, it, it would make sense that they would just say, screw it. We'll put it in. We'll, we'll publicize it. And, yeah, like I said, it's going to completely – not negate, but it's going to downplay their already made Justice League movie. But a lot of people know about the story about that. And if people are still wanting this, they don't look at Justice League in a good light. I don't think it would be a bad thing. I'll admit I like Justice League. I thought that for all its flaws, it was a fun movie. And this seems like a much darker movie. But I like the level of realism and darkness that DC will put themselves into. Not saying Marvel won't, because people always get that perception. Why don't you read the fucking comics and actually read the stories? to know what you're talking about, but I mean, it is what it is. DC does have stuff like The Long Halloween and uh, Joker uh, fucking graphic novel. I forgot the writer that made it uh, years ago. And, and Identity Crisis from uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Brad Metzler I believe is the writer. He was an actual New York best uh, you know writer. There's a lot of deep stories and you don't always have to make things so much for kids, I think that a lot of the elements of Endgame that wasn't really for children. And here's the thing about children. You know, it's not a bad thing for them to see stuff that's emotionally heavy or scary even to an extent. Let them be exposed to that. I was. Shit, I screamed like a fucking, you know, a moron when I was little and I saw E.T. for the first time. I was terrified of him. But it ended up being one of my favorite movies at that time period, too, a little bit later on. I think it's okay to see that type of stuff. I remember uh, Indiana Jones, uh, Temple of Dune, the Kaname, all that stuff. That freaked me out. But, you know, I, I, I think that it's not a bad thing necessarily if something's a little bit darker, if something's got a little bit more of an edge. It still can be, you know, maintained for kids. And I, I feel like the, Warner Brothers was very reactionary with Justice League. They were like, oh, BBS is too dark. That was the problem. No, that wasn't the fucking problem. It was the storyline of Superman being cut out of it and honestly a crappy, you know, ending story plot beat that didn't work with a lot of people, including me with the Martha's thing. Those were problems with it. The the darkness factor of that Man of Steel, that really wasn't it. Uh, and honestly, learn how to balance it. Just like it was not balanced well. It was either dark, and you could tell Zack Snyder made certain scenes, or it was extremely MCU light, if you will, and you could tell that Josh Whedon was behind that. So it's something they're definitely going to have to look into, and I find the whole concept very, very intriguing. Uh, Disney Plus, 
you know, came out, everyone freaked out. I tried to be like a cool kid and be like, I don't need Disney Plus. I decided to get it Sunday. Once uh, Saturday night, I stayed over at my friend's house, and we watched The Mandalorian, the first episode. And I went home Sunday, extremely hungover, um, and decided to kind of just chill and watch some Disney programming all day. And I don't know. It, it's weird. It's like Netflix, Hulu, I've seen them. I've had them. But something about with all the Disney movies just there. It's just, I don't know, it makes you feel like a kid. And I, I have to admit, I'll kill my, uh, my nerd credentials, I guess. First thing I was about to watch, I was looking at all their stuff, and I got to Doug, the, uh, the new episodes of Doug, when Disney took over for it, uh, from Nickelodeon. And um, I was like, oh, man, I want to watch this. I haven't seen this in years. And I'm like, wait, wait, I can't have my first fucking thing. Like, like there's a cool level of me watching a streaming service, for Christ's sakes. I can't let my first thing be Doug, the new, new Adventures of Doug. So I decided to go back and watch Mandalorian, and I watched season one and season two, and then I watched a lot of Doug, and then I watched some Disney shorts, just, just you know, stuff with Mickey Mouse that I used to giggle at back in the day, very much Looney Tunes-style quality, quality, I should say, um, which I hope they have every fucking Looney Tune on the HBO Max thing. That's definitely something that needs to be there. Uh, anyways, but... Um, I watched Gargoyles, a large chunk of that, some X-Men, some Darkwing Duck, took a nap watching Darkwing Duck. Want to know where the fuck my Aladdin, the animated series, is? Definitely want to see that on there. You guys have the, the fucking Mighty Ducks cartoon on there, but not my Aladdin one that I was very excited about. Um, I watched a little bit of Timon and Pumbaa, so I was watching a lot of the cartoons, basically. Um, weird Sunday. Blah. Anyways. And uh, The Mandalorian was definitely something I watched. I've seen the first episode now three times and the second episode twice. And I loved it. I really, 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 really liked this. Now, I'll admit, my knowledge for, 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 for different types of, of uh, fandom, geekdoms, what have you, has always been with comics. You know, I was a comic book reader. Uh, I read a lot of the stuff before my time. Uh, during which, you know, four and eighty-five. So I, I, I read a lot of comics that are very well known and um, love comics. I, I used to study before Wikipedia was really worked out with all of its kinks. I had books and books about history of Marvel, history of DC. You know how the company started, where the comic book characters came from. You know history of blah blah blah. Going back to the comic book stores trying to find certain issues before everything was digital. Um, so that was a great time and, and seeing the movies flourish for a while was great. And then it became like this cool thing. Like, you know, no, Marvel's better than DC. No, DC's better than Marvel. Well, Marvel's new and listens to their fans. Well, DC's been doing this for a long time. It's like the WWE versus ADW fucking dickheads. Um, until you start getting that trash, it was extremely enjoyable. And, um, you know, I just, my forte never was with Star Wars. I know friends that know as much about Star Wars lore as I do with Marvel and DC. I perceive, you know, and they, they might like comic books too, but I, I, I just see Star Wars as a franchise that I love from film. Love the original trilogy. Um, it, it's very hard between which one's my favorite out of those first three films. I've said Return before, I've said Empire, and I think A New Hope, now that I watched them recently, because I kind of watched all three of them 
uh, parts of them at least, uh, here and there yesterday as well. It's going all over the place. I fell asleep watching that Return of the Jedi. It was awesome. Love that, that first chunk from Return. I, I, there are other parts that are kind of whatever, but, you know, I love that first chunk uh, with, with Jabba the Hutt in Return of the Jedi, but Empire is a fucking great movie. And A New Hope, I think, might be my favorite out of the three, just because it's, it's like the Avengers. Like, is Endgame a bigger concept than Avengers? Yeah, but Avengers did something before anyone else did, and it just the, – the first time I saw A New Hope when I was a kid, something resonated with me. Now, luckily, I was able to watch all three of them pretty much back-to-back because they already came out. Uh, well, only a couple of years old, honestly. Uh, like I said, I was born in 85, so I have fond memories of Star Wars, but it's always been a cinematic franchise for me. I don't get as deeply invested. I love the original trilogy, like I said. Uh, the prequels – have redeeming qualities about them. The first one, uh, to me, pod racing scene, the last battle with Darth Maul, Qui-Gon Jinn, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, and certain other parts were good. Clone Wars, another one that's kind of like less, and that kind of has like the whole sand concept and all that. It's bad dialogue. I loved Revenge of the Sith. As dumb as the high ground concept is at the end, that one really worked for me, and I remember seeing it in high school Shit, I think I actually graduated when it came out. Um, I believe in a four oh five, so it was around that time period. But um the new films, I thought the first one was very much, like a lot of people said, a a homage to a new hope. And I still liked it. Uh I liked I haven't got a chance to check out Clone Wars and Rebels because I'm not that deeply invested. My whole thing is I watched every episode of anything DC animated universe related. And all of uh, Avengers Earth, My Heroes, all the X-Men, you know, that was my thing. I never, I haven't tried Clone Wars. I'm, I'm thinking about going back and trying it. Uh, the original one I watched a good bit, the one that had the same animation of uh, Samurai Jack, uh, before they made the new, uh, you know, more um, Pixar-like, I guess, animation, 3D animation is a better thing. It's not Pixar, but – and uh, I, never, I didn't try Rebels, but um, I like – what was it called? The one that had – where has it? The, uh, the Vader scene, which was the best scene in the movie. Rogue One. That was pretty good. A little bit different. I know that a lot of people did not like The Last Jedi, and I get it. I think the Harry Potter fucking if, – if you cut out that whole entire casino scene, it's a much better film to me. And certain things dragged it down, but I understand why certain plot points just did not work with people. And I don't think Kathleen Kennedy, Lucasfilms, and Disney did a good job of thinking what the fuck they were going to do throughout the trilogy. Like mapping it out and then doing the films as opposed to just doing them by the seam of their pants, it seems, with each film. And I think a different director actually probably wasn't the best idea. I think that's why J.J. Abrams is coming in from uh, – uh, who? Uh, man, I can't remember. Just, or Jurassic – uh, Jurassic World's director can't think of his name but he was originally supposed to do it they obviously got Abrams after Ron Johnson's uh, Last Jedi just did not even though it made a bunch of money it just didn't hit well with the fans The Mandalorian to me is the closest to getting back to Star Wars I'll even say that as someone that doesn't seem to you know perceive myself as this in-depth Star Wars lore uh, person it just feels more like Star Wars. The, the, the comedy in it is, is much more subtle. It's not Disney-like. It's not MCU-like, which is what I think some of the problems I have with the decision-making in the newer films are and what a lot of people have. 
it just comes off genuine. You have this character uh, called Mondo, I believe is his name, uh, played by Pedro Pascal, also known as the Viper um, in uh, Game of Thrones, and he also was in uh, Narcos. He's about to be in Wonder Woman, in, or the Wonder Woman 89, uh, the sequel to Wonder Woman, I should say. So he's playing this character, and straight off the bat, both the first two episodes, for the first, like, I don't know, 20 minutes, you don't really hear anything from him. It's got the pace of a, a Western, which is really cool. Hold on, let me, I'm a bit parched. Sorry about that, guys. Um, it's got the, it comes off like a Western. It really does. And um, I love the uh, the score. It's not, obviously, a, a John Williams score. It's something different, which I think is good because it's showing a, a different concept. It doesn't have the crawl, very much like Rogue, Rogue One. To me, I think anything, Star Wars, you can just have the crawl. I mean, that's just my personal opinion. But if they don't want to do it, that's fine. I guess it, it, maybe that's something especially for the, you know, uh, Skywalker solo, you know, uh, trilogy of trilogies, if you will. Um, and that's fine. If that's the case, that's, that's, if that's how they're handling it, I hope whatever trilogy comes out next still has it. Rogue One didn't have it. This one doesn't have it. I can get over it. It doesn't have the John Williams score. It has something that's much more of sci-fi mixed with, obviously, Western, kind of like the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I think that the gentleman that did it, I believe he did Creed Two. I forgot what the name of the uh, composer is. It's been great. Uh, Greg Filoni, who is the guy who was in charge of Rebels, Clone Wars, directed the first episode. Um, Rick Famuyiwa. Uh, did the second one. Uh, Dave is known for, like I said, Clone Wars and Rebels. And Rick is known for movies like Dope and The Wood. Both huge Star Wars fans, obviously. Uh, I think Filoni is actually a producer on this. The main person in charge is John Favreau. Um, first, I would say the first episode, my biggest flaws with it, a lot of people had a problem with the lack of languages between aliens and that one alien that kind of was like John Lovitz or whatever the fuck that he first got the bounty for was annoying. And by the way, spoilers. I already said at the beginning of the show, I have it right here in the uh, description for the show. Going to be talking spoilers about Mandalorian Episode 1 and 2. If you haven't watched them, go watch them, come back and listen to this, and then kind of get come uh, be, be, become part of the conversation. But to me... One of its flaws is that you kind of could tell that it was a cartoon-based director directing this uh, compared to the second episode. It just like with certain shots, it seemed uh, very similar edited. Um, but that's fine. You know, you know not ne- nearly needing us to know certain information between characters and just going from there. Um, it really didn't make it that jarring for me, but that was something I noticed. Everything about this, honestly, I loved. I love how it just starts up. You know, we're, we're going more basically on the smugglers, the underbelly of crime, which I've always said they should kind of go after, even if they made like a Boba Fett movie. But let's learn about what the Huts were doing, and I hope that that actually happens within the series. You know, uh, these type of crime lords and these various bounty hunters that work for the highest pay. And then you have Mandalorians, like Boba Fett, like this character, who have a code, and it's, you know, one one statement that was made in one of the episodes was like, you know, uh, 
basically like weapons are part of our religion, are part of our culture, and that's how the Mandalorians are. They have this this concept. This I mean, they're they're brutal if they have to be, and they're hitman, but they have some type of honor about it. And uh, just a great episode. Starts off right him going to like a cantina sort of situation, and this guy that that these dudes are fucking with. He needs, so he beats the crap out of all of them. And the violence in this, very PG-13. Not saying kids, kids couldn't watch it, but, you know, someone gets chopped in half very quickly into the show. Now, you don't see it, but it's implied and it's known, obviously, by what happens. So, you know, he goes uh, to take this, this alien, uh, who, like I said, is a John Lovis character that annoyed a lot of people, but didn't really bother me too much. He has, takes him to a ship. And they're going to turn him in for uh, the bounties uh, to Lando or Lando Carizian. Oh God! Um, to uh, what's his name? Oh, man, I can't. Carl Weathers, Paulo Apollo uh, Creed. Um, and the cool part is that you get to see on his ship how he doesn't really talk to this blue alien that much. He's just rambling, trying to get himself out of this, saying he'll pay him more. And you know, the Mandalorian is not having it. He's 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 whatever. So he goes and tries to pose like he's going to go use the restroom, snooping around. He sees all of his weapons, shuts the door immediately. Like, I'm not going to even try to, you know, siege the fucking ship. He'll kill me. And keeps on snooping around and finds all the people frozen in carbonite. And basically sets himself up. Mandalorian comes out of nowhere, pushes him into one of the chambers, and goes and drops him off with Carl Weathers, uh, you know, and says that he wants to take all of the big, uh, you know, um, all the big, uh, fuck, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? Bounties that Carl has, or Carl Weathers' character has. And he won't give him all of them because he realizes that, you know, this guy's very expensive. He does whatever he does perfectly, but other guys can do a sloppy job and still get the job done and, and take less pay. So he gives him this giant one, and he goes and talks to Werner, Herz- Werner Herzgog's. Harsgogs, Werner Harsgog, his character, if you don't know who he is, he was in Jack Reacher. That's such a sad thing that that's like the only movie I know about him with it, a weird-ass movie with Tom Cruise. But he's been in a bunch of stuff here and there. He's got a great voice, and he, you know, you have uh, the Mandalorian walking into this place, and there's these, these uh, em- this is after the Empire's Fallen, obviously. Um, you know, he's with all these... Uh, these stormtroopers and all of them have their armors are all like tattered and worn. And so it's like, you know, these are the last of them, if you will. So, you, you know, he kind of acts like a Nazi, like an Imperial officer. Like he used to be like a general within, I'm assuming the empire. And he has a proposition of going to find this character, uh, that are alive. And the scientist was like, no, 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 we're looking for him alive. And he's like, ah, do what you can. You know, that's the whole entire concept that he gives the Mandalorian is obviously you can tell that, the scientists want them alive, but it seems like the Empire, going through Werner's character, wants him dead. So, you know, he goes to this planet, and uh, he finds this, this this gentleman played by Nick Nolte That's he says, I have spoken. That's like his big thing. It's awesome. I love it. And he's kind of like his Mick, you know. It, it, it's like the whole relationship between Rocky and Mick um, – is kind of his relationship with them almost. Like that's at least the way I gathered. And basically he's had a show bounty hunters to get to this area 
to get to this one artifact, and all of them keep on kind of failing on it. And now these these bounty hunters are kind of holding up the thing that the Mandalorian needs, and he heads towards that area, um, learns how to deal with this animal that he has to learn how to ride, and, and very interesting scene uh, of of him kind of being like, "You're a Mandalorian. Like this is this is supposed to be you. Like you know, you can't just give up." And uh, I thought it, I just liked everything that they did with this this episode. He goes to the town. He's going to take out everyone. And IG Eleven, very much like IG Eighty Eight, is on site. Obviously sent by I'm assuming Werner Herzog's character or some other Empire based ranking person to annihilate everyone. Like, you know, the Mandalorians having problems because there's like fucking 15 of these dudes. And IG-11 comes out and just annihilates most of them like it's nothing. So they decide to split the bounty and work together to get this artifact. Long story short, they kill off all the people, get to the artifact, and it's Baby Yoda. Now, it's not Baby Yoda. Now, we don't know if it's a spawn of Yoda. We don't know if it's a clone of Yoda. We have no idea. It's the same species as Baby. It's only 50 years old, and it's still an infant, which, what the hell did it do? I don't know. I don't really ask questions. I just went with it. IG-88, or IG-11, I should say, is about to kill it. Mandalorian puts him down, takes the baby. Second episode kind of comes back to him and the baby. They go back, and they find out their ship has been ransacked by Jawas. Mandalorian tries to chase him down. You know, he has flaws, which is good to have for any character. Even if they're a badass like him, he gets very headstrong, jumps on the ship, gets to their patio on top of it after killing a bunch of them, disintegrating them, and they all shot the shit out of him, and he fucking falls like he's done. Well, he goes back and talks to uh, Nick Nolte's character. I have spoken. And he's like, you know, these are Jawas. They, they don't destroy. They sell. They barter. So you're going to have to fucking do that. So they offered to him, you know, it's like you killed a couple of our friends. We're not over that completely. But we do want this egg. So can you get us this egg? And they're going, egg, egg. So you're thinking this might be some religious-based thing or whatever. No idea what the hell. Or they're trying to kill something so that it's not killing them, which might have been part of it. But Mandalorian goes to this cave, finds this one nasty monster, um, this rhino-esque type of creature. Uh, And I kind of wish it was a rancor, but I love that they're investigating new aliens. I shouldn't complain about that. And uh, the Jawas, you know, are all waiting for him to go get this. He's getting his ass kicked at one point. The the Yoda-like species acts as if it's trying to heal him. He doesn't realize what the hell's going on, or he kind of realizes it and goes from there. And uh, you can tell that the, the, the baby is kind of worried about him. And uh, he has a knife at one point after trying to shoot with something that's disintegrated Jawas. You know, so obviously that's not working. This thing's just beating the shit out of him. The, the baby takes it and lifts it so that uh, the Mandalorian can stab him in one spot that takes him out, and then it, it knocks the baby to sleep. Like, it just used all of its energy. And so it goes and gets the egg. Well, the fucking Jawas just eat it. It had nothing to do with anything. Uh, it was like a Cadbury egg to them, and they just start destroying it and giving back his stuff. And um, just good stuff, man. It's now him and this Yoda baby. You have like this uh, 
whatchamacallit, Lone Wolf and uh, Cub, I think is the name of the comic book series, based off the books, uh, Lone Wolf and Cub type of concept going on. And it's it's very intriguing. We don't know what the name of Yoda's uh, species is. That's never been established in the, in the lore of Star Wars. What's going to happen with him? Why does the Empire want it dead? You know, is it a clone of Yoda? Is it his offspring? Since we've only seen Yoda and a female version of his species before, could this be their offspring? We don't know about that. It's just very interesting and very intriguing. I love the way that they make it like a Western. I love that the character is flawed himself and he's not 100% perfect. You know, I, I just think that the show's done extremely well. I love the directors they have uh, lined up uh, for future episodes. I think that's awesome. And I, I, I just think that, you know, John Favreau gets it <laughs> to an extent that Kathleen Kane doesn't get, uh, unfortunately. Um, but who knows? Maybe the third film will completely change everyone's opinion on the trilogy. And we'll see how that goes. I think that Revenge of the Sith really saved the other two prequel movies because they had redeeming qualities about them, but certain other parts that just didn't work for me. Same thing with uh, the last two films that came out. So I'm going to be positive about that, but you know, regardless, this, this whole entire thing was very positive. Uh, the show is awesome. Pedro as a Mandalorian uh, can do no wrong to me. I think that He's unbelievable as an actor, so I can't wait to see him progress with this. I'm kind of curious if they'll throw other characters within here, you know, uh, that we could see someone else that's a part of canon that would be around during this. I don't know if a Luke Skywalker is a good example of that, but I, I, they have a lot of places they can go with this. And the concept of having the species that Yoda is with him is very intriguing. Does he have kind of a, a, a nicer side to him? There's a scene that I forgot where he meets with Gina Carano's character, one of the other Mandalorian officers, and talks with her about stuff. So we're seeing a little bit of their mythos, and I think that's also kind of cool as well. But just a very, very well-done television show. I think this is going to be my new weekly I can't wait to see this show. Um, and like I said, Pedro Pascal is a great actor. This should be another great role for him. Loved it. Loved both episodes. I don't know which one I liked more than the other. Probably the second one, honestly, because I love the Jawas, and I loved the ridiculous fight that he had to do for them. I love Nick Nolte's character. I hope he comes up more. He offered him a spot on the ship. He turned it down because now his valley's at peace. He doesn't have that giant monster screwing around with the Jawas. He doesn't have all those bounty hunters trying to take out the Yoda baby. So it makes a lot of sense. I also like how Yo the, 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 the Yobi, if you will, whatever the hell you want to call it, uh, just ate like a frog out of nowhere, like this weird type of frog. And they're like, don't touch that. And he just gobbles it down. You know, there's a lot of uh, little cool things that they're doing with it. And uh, very, very interesting. But, um, yeah. Definitely we'll keep on sticking around for that and checking out a lot of the other stuff on Disney+. Plus. And uh, probably, you know, falling asleep to things I used to watch when I was younger. That's the one thing that's great about these streaming services and such a weird concept. I'm someone, I'm one of those people that has to watch television when I pass out. Um, and with the WWE app, being able to watch old WWE pay-per-views when I was a kid. It's all about nostalgia um, to an extent. And 
you know, this same type of concept with the Disney movies and Disney cartoons like Gargoyles I used to watch. And I can't wait for HBO Max to have their thing out. I think that that's going to be great. Hope Warner Brothers puts all of their, you know, if DC, the whatever the hell they call that, that should be incorporated within this, honestly. They want to keep it as a package, they can, but I would just put everything as one and just start it over. Um, all their films, all their DC-related stuff and content, all their Lord of the Rings-related stuff, um, they have a lot of, 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 of uh, IPs that they can provide for this. And hopefully we'll get some original stuff based off of these IPs, like Green Lantern, like the, uh, what is it, Adam Strange, you know, that will be able to be to the level of what they're going to be giving us on Disney+. And maybe, just maybe, we'll get Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Who knows? Anyways, guys, that was a, another episode of Monday Suck, brought to you on Monday. Like I said, I usually do this at 5.30, 6 p.m. EST on uh, biweekly. So it won't be next week unless something big happens. It will be the week after that. Check it out. Uh, go to geekvibesnation.com and check out all of our news that we do for comics, comic book movies, movies, sports, wrestling, video games. If it's geek-related, we usually cover it. And you'll find links to our Facebook, our Instagram, and our Twitter that you can find us at with Geek Vibes Nation. Go and join a conversation on any of those platforms and join the groups. We would love for you to do that. Give us some feedback on our shows. Um, and also, you know, if you want to listen to us, not on Blog Talk Live, it's, you can find us. Just search Monday Suck or Geek Vibes Nation for the overhaul of everything. But Monday Suck specifically to find this show on all sound-related things like Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud. If it's something out there that plays the audio in a podcast form, we are probably on there. Check it out. It would be great. Uh, also, if you guys are into wrestling, I do Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Uh, Wednesday, 7 p.m. EST, and Saturday mornings. Well, Saturday at noon, I should say, e uh, Eastern Standard Time, too, with my good buddy Christopher Ray Patton. So if you're into wrestling, we talk about all the stuff that's going on right now. We just talked uh, last week about CM Punk, the AEW pay-per-view. we got Survivor Series coming up. So, hey, if that's your cup of tea, join us. If not, join me next time for another episode of Monday Suck. You guys have a great evening. And as always, let the geek vibes be with you. You guys have a good one. Love you so much. Peace out, guys. Hey, this is Michael Rosenbaum, uh, Lex Luthor from Smallville, The Flash, and the Justice League, and you're listening to Geek Vibes Live.